Welcome back to the Click Pit Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan. Still no Connor today, and I must say I have to apologize for not recording for a while. I went on vacation for a couple of days. That messed up a recording time period, and I've also kind of been... I don't like it as much when I am the only one recording, so I've been trying to figure out times I can work with Connor and be able to record with him again, which we it sounds like we are going to be able to do very shortly. Um, this episode is probably going to go up Wednesday, possibly Thursday, we'll see. Um, either way, um, Connor and I will be able to get together right after the Daytona Road Course Race this Sunday. So, there's that to look forward to. First episode in a while that Connor has been able to record with me. Um, that we've been able to record together. So, of course, I've been, I haven't uploaded an episode in over three weeks, so there have been a lot of races to catch up to. So, I'll give you just the basis, just tell you the winners, some notes on each of the races before this past weekend's doubleheader at Michigan, and then I'll go more in depth into both of the Michigan doubleheader races. So, first race, I believe, that happened after Texas was Kansas, um, which uh, Denny Hamlin wins that one. Um, Pretty normal race. I didn't get to watch too much of it. It went a little late. And, um, yeah, Denny Hamlin wins. It's his fifth win of the season. At the time, he led the Cup Series in wins. Um, Not too much of note except for a massive um, Ryan Priest crash that continued a very unfortunate run of luck for that team i think it was like four straight um 38 their worst finishes or maybe even last place finishes it was a tough run for them over those couple weeks so denny hamlin won that one um and then the following week was at new hampshire which uh brad kozlowski won um, pretty good racing. I didn't get to watch much of that because that was when I was on vacation. But I watched all the highlights for that and it looked like a pretty entertaining race. Much better than what New Hampshire typically gets. And a uh, lot of back and forth battles for the lead which was fun to watch and the highlights even. not. But yeah, that was a good race. Statement win for Brad Kislowski. Signed a contract the day after that, extend, that keeps him at Penske for 2021. And then, that was last Sunday, and then the most recent Sunday, I guess two Sundays ago technically, so last Sunday, or last Saturday rather, was the first race of two, um, 312 miles, I think it was 400 kilometers for the race, um, at Michigan, two races such as that, the first um, Cup Series regular race, not all-star race, that includes the Choose Cone rule, which created some drama at the end, which is very um, much needed. It made the race a very good race, a fun race to watch, and um, gave some guys some chances that might not have had chances otherwise. So um, we'll go down 10 to 1 in that one. So in 10th place, Kurt Busch. Another top 10 for uh, this Chip Ganassi machine. Seems like every time I record an episode, 
every time we go over a race, he's in the top 10, which is pretty impressive. I have to look at how many top 10s he has. Maybe I'll get that stat to you later in the episode. Um, and then in ninth place, Bubba Wallace. Great run for him. One of the drivers who really benefited from the choose rule. And uh, he was up there. He made a daring three-wide move to try and get into second place on one of the late restarts. And uh, he used the choose rule to his advantage, and he made it work. And it was a very good run for him. We'll get to more on him later. Kind of glad I waited till today to record because otherwise I would not have so much news to speak of. That'll be our third segment, just a news update and all around. Um, in eighth place, Joey Logano finishes eighth in the 22 machine. Pretty good run for him. He struggled since coming back from the COVID break. He had those two wins right off the out of the gate to start the season, and hasn't haven't really heard much from him later more recently this season um chase elliott finishes seventh in the hendrick motorsports chevrolet he led some laps he also utilized the choose rule to its advantage and um yeah he got a top 10 finish out of it i'm sure he's wishing he had more in the last restart or one of the last restarts he uh picked the wrong lane honestly picked the inside that he had previously beat harvick with from to gain the lead, but then he chose the outside again and lost it. Um, sixth place, Denny Hamlin. Good run for him. He had an overall good win weekend. He finished second in the other race. Spoiler. Um, but anyway, good run for him. And one of the two drivers to beat, it seems, so far. And we'll get to the other ones soon. His teammate, Kyle Busch, finished fifth. Not much to say there, except he didn't win. Still, obviously. Ryan Blaney finished fourth. Good run for him, especially considered what happened in the second race. Lucky he got good finish there. Martin Truex Jr. finished third, so another Toyota car, another Joe Gibbs car, rather, in the top 10, 3 out of 10, and then Eric Jones finished 11th, so they almost got all four cars in the top 10. Second place, Brad Kozlowski. Uh, the race after his statement win at New Hampshire, he follows it up with a second place finish. So great run for him, proving that uh, he deserves that contract that he got, the extension that he got. And then Kevin Harvick ties for the series lead and wins with five. He wins Michigan number one. Really good win for him. And... Um, continues his dominance this series season and so there's that first race and then we have the second race for the cup series on sunday this was a doubleheader weekend we'll go 10 to 1 in that one too same distance as the first one um and so we'll get into that and surprise surprise Who's in 10th? Kurt Busch. Another top 10 for him. Good weekend for him. Two 10th place finishes, I believe. So, good for him. He's so consistent so far this year. Just means he can almost definitely point his way in. And he could be a sneaky candidate to get deep into the playoffs with his consistency. Because if you're finishing 10th in every race in each round in the playoffs, top 10 every race, I mean, you're easily moving on. 
you know, because until you get into like trying to get to the final four, then maybe you might have troubles. But Kurt Busch, if he cons- continues this consistency, he could go deep into the playoffs. Ninth place, Chase Elliott in the nine car. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, another top ten for him. Only um, only Hendrick card to get into the top ten in either race this year, or either race at Michigan. So good run for him. Continues to be quite consistent. He's obviously the best Hendrick car so far, and honestly, all the Hendrick cars did okay. Jimmy Johnson, William Byron finished 11th and 12th, just out, outside of the top 10, and Johnson finished 12th um, in the first race too. So he was not as snake bit as he has been for the previous weeks. He's had some pretty decent finishes each of the past three races. Eighth place, Austin Dillon, the Texas winner. Good finish for him. Good top 10 for him. Strong run for all around for the RCR car. Seventh place, Matt DiBenedetto. Good run for him, especially as he's uh, slid a little bit in the playoff bubble the last couple weeks. So he needed that run to stay afloat, stay a decent amount above the cut line for the playoffs. Sixth place, Eric Almirola. Another top 10. I think the other Michigan race broke the streak because I don't remember mentioning his name, but he had a very strong streak running there. Yeah, it did. He finished, I'm checking here, way back, it looks like. Actually, no, I didn't. Pardon here. Trying to find where did Eric Almirola go? 16th in the first Michigan race. So it broke his streak of, I think, eight straight top tens, which was pretty impressive for him. Probably easily the best streak of his career. Joey Logano gets another top ten, this time a top five, fifth place. Solid finishes. He's starting to build himself back up and improve a little bit on the year after he really slumped. I already mentioned this, but really slumped coming back from the COVID break. Kyle Busch, another top five of the weekend, uh, finished his fourth. You have three Toyotas, three Joe Gibbs cars in a row here, actually, as Martin Truex Jr. finishes third, second straight. Actually, I think third straight. Third place finish. Denny Hamlin battles the eventual winner at the line, but comes up just a car length short or so. Denny Hamlin finishes second, and then Kevin Harvick, Sweeps the weekend with another win at Michigan. His sixth of the season. That's up to the lead in terms of wins for cup drivers so far this year. And he is pulling away in the regular season point standings as well. So that's the two cup races so far. This, or not so far, this past weekend. Doubleheader at Michigan. So we've recapped those two and uh, we'll give you a Quick point standings updates before we, uh, before I go ahead and try and preview a track in which NASCAR has never raced at before. So, for the playoff standings, right now, William Byron is in 16th place, 26 points above the cut line. The two drivers in 17th and 18th are tied, 26 below Byron, Eric Jones, and Jimmy Johnson, both 26 points behind. Matt DiBenedetto is 15 point, er, sorry, 15th 
in playoff standings, 57 points above the cut line. And Clint Boyer is in 14th with 60 points above the cut line. And then the two Bush brothers at 137 for Kurt Bush and 140 for Kyle. And then the only other driver in there who does not have a win is, of course, Eric Almirola, who's been on such a good streak. He's 158 points above the cut line. Then Tyler Reddick is 36 points out. And then Christopher Bell is 122. I don't know what the actual numbers are in terms of, like, who is, like, still technically could point their way in if a lot of bad stuff happened to the guys above them. But in 20th, Christopher Bell, 21st, Bubba Wallace, 22nd, Michael McDowell, 23rd, Chris Busher. And I don't think it's any more than that. But, of course, you have Ricky Stenhouse in 24th, who's such a good super speedway racer. And, of course... Last race before the playoffs is at Daytona, so that could be an interesting... He could be a wild card to get in there. Actually, Daytona is a complete wild card. Anyone could get in. That could completely jumble it. So Byron, I think if I were Byron, I would want to try and get up to um, Matt Benedetto if possible so that he has um, a buffer if someone unexpected way back in the pack, someone like... Like, could you see Ty Dillon winning or, like, Corey LaJoy? Someone like that that completely messes everything up. They had no chance of making the playoffs before that. So, coming up next, we will preview the what will surely be a chaotic race at the Daytona Road Course. That's coming up on the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Ethan O'Connor, this week. Um, first episode in a while. Last episode, hopefully, without Connor, as I think from here on out we'll be able to record with him. Um, I want to apologize for some noise you might hear in the background as my dog is going crazy. So, just keep that in mind if you hear some barking in the background. So... Uh, we recapped the past couple of weeks, the Michigan doubleheader, and a few races before that, too. And now we will get into the Daytona International Speedway Road Course, the replacement for Watkins Glen, since the governor of New York did not allow NASCAR to come and race at Watkins Glen International. So the Daytona Road Course is the course that will be used to replace that date at Daytona International Speedway. It utilizes both the high-speed banking of the Super Speedway and the infield road course that is used for the Rolex 24, mainly. So, not many, almost no drivers run there. Kyle Busch has run there, and I believe a few others in separate series. Um, But there's no practice. I I really don't get that because when Xfinity went to the Indianapolis uh, Grand Prix, the road course there, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, they got practice because they had never run there. And so I don't understand why none of the teams this week get practice, even if it's just an hour or half an hour, just to give the drivers a couple laps on the course. Uh, Bubba Wallace was quoted today saying something... I'm surely going to get it, get the wording wrong, but basically saying, I'm glad I'm not on the front row saying that, like, 
the guys on the front row, although they get the track position, obviously, they won't even have other cars to go off of as for, like, where to brake and all that. Just, like, they're going to be, like, sitting ducks. I wonder if we'll even see the first couple rows of cars. I wonder if they'll even make it out of that turn. Because, I mean, this is it's just going to be chaotic with never going there before at all. And so it's going to be an interesting race. And so it's almost since they've never raced there before since there's no practice since all that it's really difficult to predict who's going to win and what's going to happen in the race but before we get to my predictions I just wanted to go over some of the track specs so um most of the super speedway track is going to be used for the race it's like three and a half miles approximately 14 turns so there's turn one that turns into the road course and then there's a dog leg couple of no there's a an s's in turn two a horseshoe turn for turn three turn four is a dog leg turn five is another horseshoe shaped turn turn eight is a kind of a horseshoe it's hard to describe it's hard to describe a picture using just your words and then seven and eight are turns one and two on the super speedway turns nine and ten that's a chicane right before turns three and four normal turns three and four at the end of the back stretch then you have 11 and 12 those are normally the super speedway turns three and four and then 13 and 14 are another chicane coming off of the off of turn four then of course the start and finish line and then they start over again the race is going to be 30, no, not 30, 65 laps, I believe. Yes, 65 laps. I believe the stage lengths are 15, 15, and 35. Um, and so when it comes to predicting this thing, I'm just going to give it my best shot. So I'm going to say that Chase Elliott is a strong guy to take in this because he has won three of the last five road course races that he has won last year he won on the roval in the playoffs he won on watkins glen in 20 2019 last year i believe as well and then the rope and Watkins Glen in 2018 as well. So he's won three of the last five races. He's always he's very good at the road courses, very strong there. So I'm going to predict him, especially since anyone who's done well at the Roval recently, I think you could take as a, a solid bet to at least have some idea what they're doing because Daytona that is laid out somewhat like the Roval is in terms of like the infield and just the style of racing it's not like a there's because Daytona the road course also incorporates the banking for the from the super speedway just like the Roval does so it's not a flat road course like you would get at Sonoma or Watkins Glen so Chase Elliott is my prediction um you could also go with like Ryan Blaney he's won at the Roval before Kyle Busch has got lots of road course wins um and then even 
if you're looking for like other serious picks like Xfinity and trucks, there are some guys who have run the Rolex 24, some foreign drivers who don't typically run NASCAR getting one-and-done rides. Um, A.J. Allmendinger in Xfinity, I think he's running. It's a good chance with colleague, um, so it'll be interesting to see that. But, yeah, Chase Elliott, my prediction, maybe Ryan Blaney, someone like that, uh, Kyle Busch as well. However, there's also a decent chance that... Um, you could have a complete wild card. You could have someone like Ryan Priest or like, because with nobody ever having been on the track before, aside from a couple drivers like Kyle Busch who ran a random series race for a couple years ago or something like that, like nobody's going to know what to do. There's no like, nobody has any knowledge on the track. So it could be a completely chaotic wreck fest in which at the final restart you have 15 cars left and so then you have a decent chance at having like a like a front row car or a JTG Doherty car or like even like a back marker car like if they manage to survive because unless you crash you're not really gonna go a lap down it's like three and a half miles so it's gonna take teams like it's gonna take you over a minute definitely to get around the track so it's and with only 65 laps in this first two stages only 15 laps I believe it could be very interesting a lot of guys could be on the lead lap a lot of people will have chances if a lot of the field is taken out through crashes and trust me there will be crashes because it's like Daytona mayhem probably I'm gonna say there's a 50% chance someone like a Chase Elliott or Ryan Blaney or Kyle Busch wins and then there's also a 50% chance someone like Bubble Wallace or John Hunter Nemechek or like even like Quinn Half. Wouldn't that be crazy if Quinn Half wins? I don't think that would happen. But something like that where you're like, wait, how'd that happen? Where did he come from? And that could this could completely shake up the playoff picture. So those are my predictions, more likely. Not really predictions, really just wild guesses. Um, but anyway... That's the end of this segment. We will go to some NASCAR news in the final segment. You're listening to the Quick Pit Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Quick Pit Podcast that you're listening to wherever you're listening to podcasts, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever else you use to listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Ethan alongside my co-host oh wait connor still isn't here it's been a long time since we've had connor here he has even more vacations than i do lucky lucky dog um anyway so he will hopefully be back this weekend as we will record right after the daytona road course immediately immediate reactions for that so that'll be a fun podcast to check out however we've uh recapped some of the races past races since I last recorded, so that's like five races or something like that. I'm not very good at remembering to record this thing, and um, we also previewed the Daytona road course. Made I made some wild guesses at who might win that race, and now we will go on to some other news from the week. Three weeks <laughs> since, uh, since I last recorded. So, first off... Um, 
Bubba Wallace on Sunday was announced by, I believe, Marty Smith from NBC. He announced that uh, Bubba Wallace has a contract offer from Chip Ganassi Racing to drive the 42 car, which would be very interesting if Bubba were to do that. And I think, well, we'll get to the other news and then we'll come back to this. We got more news from Bubba. I'm really glad that I waited procrastinated to record today because this afternoon Bubba Wallace announced that uh, he has signed a deal with Columbia Sportswear, like Columbia that makes like shoes and jackets and coats and whatever, an activewear brand, a very big one for that matter, um, for a long-term deal. It is through Richard Petty, but it's not. It's kind of a weird deal. So they will support Richard Petty. It's not like a personal deal with Bubba like the Beats deal was a couple months ago. So they will sponsor his car. But um, it also has a stipulation that if Bubba moves teams, like if he were to go to Chip Ganassi, they would follow him there. So like they're sponsoring Richard Petty Motorsports, but they want to be with Bubba basically. Anyway, it's a big deal, multi-million dollar deal. It should be a huge sponsorship for Bubba Wallace, the first race that they're on the car is going to be um, the doubleheader weekend at Dover next weekend, not this upcoming weekend, but the following one on the August 22nd and 23rd. So, oh, that's happening that fast. So, I guess the question here for Bubba with his deal or um, contract offer from Chip Ganassi. And then this deal with Columbia and plus the offer Richard Petty Motorsports has given him for even more ownership stake in the team to stay with the team past 2020. I think the question here for Bubba is, would he rather stay at Richard Petty, which is definitely going to prove improve, especially with this sponsorship deal, where Richard Petty could be the better team than Chip Ganassi in 5-10 years. Chip Ganassi has um, not been amazing recently. They had two wins last year, and then they, I believe, didn't have any wins the year prior, and then Kyle Larson won them a couple races, four races, actually, the year before. It's like, but seeing the struggles Matt Kenseth has, Matt Kenseth, a former series champion, 39-time winner. Sorry, I'm tripping over my words a little bit. He's struggled in the car. Maybe it's just because he has had no practice. He'd been off for a year and a half, etc. But, I mean, Kurt Busch, he's been consistent. I've talked many times about how consistent he is. But they're not winning many races. And for the longest time, Chip Ganassi Racing, until Kyle Larson came along, I believe their only wins were a couple of road course wins by Juan Pablo Montoya. They do not have many wins. They've been a much better program recently but you have to wonder if that's really the cars or if that's the fact that they had super talented Kyle Larson driving for them so if if Bubba takes over the 42 I mean it would be better than the 43 right now but I mean can you see any way that uh, Chip Ganassi improves that much over the next five years like I think Bubba I think Richard Petty Motorsports might improve more over the next five years, next ten years. They could be a better team in ten years, better than Chip Ganassi Racing. 
So I think the question for Bubba is, does he want to stay at Richard Petty, where he has a say in what the team does? He has big new sponsorship. He is easily one of the most recognizable names in the sport now. Then, would you rather have that, or would you rather have short-term success, possibly, with Chip Ganassi? Because... There's no doubt about it. Right now, Chip Ganassi cars are better than Richard Petty cars. But, like I said before, can you say that? I don't know if they'd be able to say that, if we'd be able to say that in a couple of years, five years, even three. Because with this big new deal with Bubba's, if Bubba were to sign an extension with Richard Petty, he'd be like the face of the company. He would have a lot of say in what they did. He could form some new alliances, maybe uh, he'd help them get new sponsors, definitely. He'd help them with sponsorship, undoubtedly. That team could be better. He could make that team better. And maybe they would turn into a winner. Then Maybe they would get onto a level that Ganassi is, or at the very least get to a point of RCR where they're winning a race at least one race about once a year, or if that's much better than Richard Petty. Richard Petty Motorsports' only win, I believe, is the Eric Almarola win in the rain-shortened Daytona race. So, I mean, Richard Petty has a lot of room to improve, and they've done a lot better this year. They've been elevated by some new sponsorships. Some, I mean, coming into this year, I saw an article of the same news article in which it announced the deal between Columbia and Bubba, Richard Petty Motorsports only had 12 corporate sponsors coming into the season. One third. And then the rest were lined up to be like Victory Junction or something like that. But now they have, they got that deal with Cash App where they got like a handful of races from them and now this Columbia deal is probably going to put Columbia on the car for a lot of the remaining races for this season so I think Richard Petty is improving now of course I have no say and probably no influence on what Bubba Wallace does but I would almost say if I was in his position to stay with Richard Petty and make that program better and then slightly Probably won't talk as long on this because this podcast is running pretty long. We're probably past the 30-minute mark already. But um, Levine Family Racing, since we last recorded, announced that they were planning on selling and then did sell their charter, their shop. They're no longer going to be a developmental program affiliated with um, Joe Gibbs Racing. So they will close up shop at the end of the 2020 season. So they'll finish the entirety of the season. And of course that move prompted um, some changes happened for Joe Gibbs as Christopher Bell was kind of on loan from uh, Joe Gibbs racing to race at Levine. So Joe Gibbs let Eric Jones go. So I have no idea where Eric Jones is going to go. I have some ideas actually, but um, Connor and I will probably give you our silly season predictions next or at the next episode on Sunday. Anyway, um, and then shortly thereafter, them announcing that Eric Jones is going to be not going to be returning after the 2020 season. They announced that Christopher Bell is going to drive the 20 car 
in 2021 and beyond, presumably. So that's interesting. And then today, or yesterday actually, Spire, or it was announced that Spire Motorsports had was the one who bought the Levine Family Racing Shop and also the uh, charter for the 95 car. So Levine, or Spire rather, has two charters now. They are reportedly going to be running a two-car team next year. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Maybe they can turn into a team like Levine or like Furniture Road Motorsports was that started from being a backmarker and moved up to being a competitive team because Levine Family Racing, if they had stayed in business, definitely would have gotten better. Probably would have won a race. They almost did last year with Matt DiBenedetto. And, of course, Furniture Road Racing won, like, I don't know. I think it was close to 20 races and got a championship right before they shut down as well. So, be interesting to see what Spire does. Um, I love a good underdog story. It'd be great if they could turn into a decent team. Especially with the Gen 7 car coming out that's supposed to level the playing field. Or at least make it closer between the top teams and the lower tier teams. So, that looks like that'll be it for today's podcast. This is episode number seven, I believe, of the Quick Pit Podcast. Actually, I think it's six. Six, I believe. So, I'm your host, Ethan. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe. Since I last recorded, we've doubled our listener base. So, if you're listening, keep sharing, keep working. Although, really, we just doubled from two to five. So, small victories here. We're trying to get this off the ground. I'm your host, Ethan. Thanks for tuning in. Like, share, and subscribe. See you next week. Or Sunday, rather. Bye.